Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's October 25th, 2011, and this is episode 304. At the start of June 2010, about 10 days after I got my iPad, I released episode 246 about the iPad for the photographer. At the time, I spoke about a bunch of apps that I'd sought out and had started to use from a a photographer's perspective. Last week, I got an email from Julian Roberts in London asking if I could update this with my current preferences, and I thought that that was a great idea, so many thanks for the idea, Julian. Let's take a look at the main photography-related apps that I'm currently using on my iPad. I won't go into detail again on the non-photography-related apps that I use, but I do just want to say that I'm still using Evernote, Dropbox, and Zinio to access notes and documents and to read magazines. These apps all have Mac clients available, so there was no problem when I switched from PC to Mac in January this year. How I use these services hasn't changed. If you aren't aware of these apps, go back and listen to episode 246 for more details. We're going to look at seven apps specifically for the photographer. And note that the images that I'll talk about, you know, I have screenshots for all of the images. And you'll be able to see those on your iPhone or iPad if you're listening to the enhanced version of this podcast. And also, all of the images and the manuscript and links and everything are all at the blog. Uh, And you can get to this specific post by jumping to mbp.ac slash 304. And if you go to the bottom of the blog post, you'll see a little gallery of thumbnails. Click on those to see the full-sized images. The apps that we're going to talk about today are not in any specific order, but I am going to start with my favorite photographer-specific app, FolioBook. FolioBook started out a little bit flaky, but it's been tweaked and recoded a number of times and is now my chosen way to show potential clients and friends images and videos on the iPad. I don't carry my MacBook, MacBook Pro around with me all the time, but when I think that they're might be a chance to show my work to anybody, I drop my iPad into my bag. And there have been lots of occasions where I've shown my work to people on the iPad and they've always been very impressed and it's led to new work on a number of occasions. Photo display on the iPad has just been, I was going to say improved, changed somewhat on the iOS 5 release. And we can now finally create folders and reorder folders on the iPad. But there's still no native way to reorder images. And the UI is still the standard photo app. With Folio Book, though, you can create albums and add links to a fully customizable background with both vertical and horizontal versions So the photo and the position of the links and everything can be changed depending on how you're holding the iPad. There's also a plugin that you you do have to buy separately, but that allows you to play video right there in Folio Book. I have created slideshows for most of the images that 
I want to show people. So I can actually just play those videos as an example. I also recently created a subcategory for the new motion graphics intro and outros for the video podcast that we sometimes do. You have, you know, you also have the ability to customize these subcategory menus individually according to the work that you put into them. And another nice feature is the ability to lock Folio Book to changes until you turn the lock off in the iPad settings panel. And this prevents clients from unwittingly entering the folio edit mode which can really confuse the hell out of them if they're you know looking at your, at your work and automatically end up in that mode all in all folio book is a very sleek way to both view uh, collections of images and videos and it gives a very professional feel to you and to your presentation especially if you're careful about your branding and how you categorize your albums and content etc next up is the 500px app this was released just last week it's free and simply amazing i've received varying views on 500px itself since releasing episode 295 an introduction to 500px but honestly i can't understand how any photographer could not flick through page after page of photography of the quality that they have on 500px and not be inspired. Sure, you do see the odd image that doesn't quite meet the stellar quality of the rest of the work on the site, but in general, it's simply stunning. And this new app feeds it to you in true 500px style. If you log in, if, you have a, you know, if you're a member and you log in, you get to view your own images, which is another great way to share your work with friends or even clients, it looks so good. You can also view a stream of recent uploads from people that you follow, as well as viewing your favorites. And the popular editor's choice, upcoming and fresh streams are all in there. They're breathtaking most of the time and they're available to anyone, even if you aren't a member. So, you know, the app is totally free. Do yourself a favor and grab a copy. I guarantee that you'll be impressed and inspired. Next up is the Light It Digital Magazine from Kelby Training. This was released a month or so ago with the first issue free. Future episodes will be available on a paper, copy or subscription basis, but if you do any kind of studio lighting, do grab the app and at least check out the free first issue. There was only one article that I stopped reading partway through, but I read every other article in you know, totally, and that's very rare for me. There was a little bit of repetition in the subject. You know, obviously, it's all related to, sub, to studio lighting. But even that was interesting enough because of the articles are written by different people, and they're all well-known photographers like Frank Dorhoff, Jeremy Cowart, and the first feature story was by Zach Arias. So you really can't go wrong for zero dollars. I will be buying future issues as they come out, at least for the foreseeable future. So far, I'm really impressed with the quality of the magazine and think it's worth, uh, I'm not sure how much it's going to be yet, but it's certainly worth paying for at the moment. Also from Kelby Training is the KelbyTraining.com app. 
If you subscribe as I do and you own an iPad, I'm sure you already have the, the Kelby Training app, but it's certainly worth a mention. This app is basically a window to your online Kelby Training material for the iPad and it works on the iPhone as well. Basically, if you have internet access, you have every video that the Kelby Training team has released right there in the palm of your hand. I was recently asked if I'd recommend Colby Training and to answer, I checked my subscription history. I first subscribed on September 1st, 2009 and I've renewed within two weeks of that date for the last two years. I guess that this tells me that there's rarely more than a few weeks go by before I want to get a fix of education and inspiration, so I just keep signing back up. The quality of the courses is top-notch, as are the instructors for each, vid each video. Some help me to learn new stuff, some affirm old skills, and then others are simply great for getting inspiration and keeping me steeped in the world of photography. I highly recommend Kelby Training, and the iPad or iPhone app is a great way to consume it. Next up we have Photoverse. Photoverse is basically a list of photography-related blogs and podcasts that shows you all of the content in one place. It's well organized into a number of different categories. And the guy that wrote this just told me that he's recently updated Photoverse so that he can now update the blog content without releasing updates of the app itself. So it should go from strength to strength from now. I've found a number of blogs that I would not have known about without Photoverse, so I'm happy to have this. The next app that I wanted to look at is the Photographer's Emeris. When it comes to getting times and azimuth for the rise and set of the sun and moon, I have to admit I still use Velaclock on my iPhone more because my phone's always with me. But on the iPad, Especially when working with a group, I use the photographer's Emeris. It's great to have a full-size iPad app for this, and the lines are drawn automatically on the map, showing exactly where the sun will rise and fall, and you can move a slider around to track exactly where the sun's going to be at any time of the day, and it's just great for planning, though I've never actually taken the iPad out with me and use this feature in the field. The, the app is definitely worth picking up though, even if you only intend to use it when planning where you need to be on your photography trips. And finally, I wanted to mention Snapseed. I have to tell you that I resisted buying this app at first because I couldn't see the point of working on images on the iPad. If I want to work on an image, I'll do it on my computer with full-sized RAW files, a 16-bit TIFF file or a Photoshop PSD file. But I decided that for the price, you know, less than $5, it was probably worth buying just to see what it was like, and I was totally impressed. I still won't use this as a way to edit images in my digital workflow, but you know what? This app is so quick and fun to use that you can just sit there and show people the sort of effects that you can get with full-blown Nick software plugins as a demonstration. 
I can pull up a color image, for example, and in just a few taps, create a Color Effects Pro 4 style high contrast, high tonality image, or a Silver Effects Pro 2 style high structure and contrast black and white image. The sliders to vary the amount of the filter applied and the ability to be able to switch between effects by sliding up and down uh, on the, just there, right there on the screen are very intuitive. And I can literally show someone what I can do with their images right there and we can see the effect real time. There's a compare button as well which shows you your original image before changes as you add each filter or effect. And once you're done, you can save your image and move on to another module and build on your changes. The added bonus is that you can also have all of this fun on your iPhone as well, if you have one. And you know that's exactly what it is. It's a lot of fun. I sometimes crank up Snapseed now on a train. And you know before I know it, I'm at my destination and I don't want to get off. I have so much fun messing around with Snapseed. So although I still don't consider this part of my workflow, it's a great way to demo what can be done to people on the, on the go and just have a lot of fun with your images. Well worth picking up in my opinion. Before we finish, I do want to just say that I know some of you will be wondering why I didn't cover apps like you know, ones that will help you to shoot remotely or transfer your image directly to the iPad, etc. And the reason for that is that I've not had a need for this kind of workflow, and so I haven't looked into it. I do use my MacBook Pro and shoot tethered straight into Lightroom, where I can apply presets and start building preview files as soon as the images are shot. And I quite often use Canon's EOS utility to shoot remotely, though Canon are currently a bit behind in updating this application for the Mac OS 10.7 Lion. So I'm missing that right now, but not to the point where I've looked into creating an iPad-based workflow, so I'm just not including anything about that today. If you hadn't heard of some of these seven apps though, I hope that you give some of them a try and find them useful as I do. If you have any killer photography related apps that you'd like to share as well, by all means, post about the app in the comments to the accompanying blog post for this podcast at mbp.ac slash 304. Okay, so as it's not a native iPad app, I didn't include this in the main topic, but I did want to quickly mention my MVP podcast companion app before we finish, as I do use the depth of field calculator a lot on my iPhone and iPad. I actually wanted to mention the app more though, because I've recently been asked to add a few new cameras and some of the people that asked me to add those cameras had typos in their email addresses so I couldn't let them know that I've actually updated the camera list. I also recently added a number of generic film sizes as well so you can now use the app to calculate the depth of field for film cameras too. These will be added to the app in the app store as well soon but for now uh, any quick camera apps we built in the 
ability for me to just add them via a text file that I, I keep somewhere. And if you go into the app and then click on the camera in the depth of field section, you'll get a list of cameras to select from and then go to the bottom right of that, um, that window there and press the update button. And if you press that, it'll go off. As long as you've got internet connectivity, it'll go off to, to my website and grab the new cameras and add them to the list for you. I also wanted to quickly mention that I was one of the co-hosts on This Week in Photo this week, uh, last week it will be. Um, and that was with Frederick Van Johnson, Silarina and Alex Lindsay. So do check that out at thisweekinphoto.com if you're interested. And remember that I'll put a link to this and all of the apps that we have spoken about today in the show notes for this podcast on the blog. I don't put them all into the show notes in iTunes because it limits the number of total um, episodes that we can keep in iTunes. I try to keep that to a minimum. So go and be, take a look for that on the blog at mbp.ac slash 304. Thanks for listening today and remember that you can find me on Google+, Twitter, Flickr and Facebook, my blog, the Photography Forum among other places. All links are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so do drop by. And I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye.